You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers Christmas Together, Wonderful Counselor. Well, we are officially past Thanksgiving and officially into Christmas. So extend to your neighbor across the campuses, Merry Christmas. Just say it to two or three people around you. Extend a hearty Merry Christmas. And when you do, here's literally what you're saying with this whole Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, as we do Christmas together, is a combination of Mass plus Christ. And the word Mass refers to his Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, the body of Christ that was broken, the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sin to restore us to him. And Christ referring to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now the word Mass actually means in its root, send or mission. So Jesus Christ was sent on mission in order to forgive and restore us to our heavenly Father. So we have the joy of being restored to him. And when we say Merry Christmas, that's what we followers of Christ get to celebrate. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas has deep meaning for us. And and when we do Christmas together, we think a little bit of this um, things like the, the, the Christmas tree, and we're having a little bit of fun across campuses. Invited you last week to bring uh, over the next couple of weeks, today, next couple of weekends, uh, your family ornaments. And, and we, we know that when you bring your family ornaments uh, and put it on the undecorated tree, the tree ends up being a little less coordinated, a little bit ugly, but beautiful all at the same time. So our family is bringing an ornament. I want you to know the ornament we're not bringing. <laughs> it's this one. Because I don't want to lose this one. I think we've had this one like 20 years. Got it from the family for me. This is Santa Claus delivering presents on a Harley Davidson. Now, you know if Santa had the option, that's how he would prefer to deliver presents. You know if Jesus came modern day, he would ride into Jerusalem on a Harley Davidson. That's just how it would work. So that one I don't want to lose. That's not going on our family Christmas tree at the church. That's going to the family Christmas tree at home. But it's good to have just a little bit of fun together, do Christmas together. And we think of maybe Santa, maybe presents, trees, and the manger right? Because Jesus came in a manger. He came as a baby. God wrapped in human flesh. So really, men and women, this is not about his infancy. Because at Christmas, that's what we celebrate his coming and his infancy, his being born into the world. But this is not about his infancy. Christmas is about his deity, This was not a mere infant created in the moment of birth. This is God who left heaven and came to be with us, wrapped in a human body. That's Christmas, Christ's coming, being sent on mission for our sake to forgive and restore. And so prophecy was given some 700 years before Christ came. It's found in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I want all of us across all the campuses here and across all the campuses, even if you're online, read this with me, loud and with passion. This is the prophecy that was foretold about the coming Messiah, the Christmas which was to come. Everybody ready to read it with me? 
Everybody ready? Let me hear that you're ready. You ready? Here we go. Let's read together. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so over these next three weeks, including today, right into Christmas Eve, we're going to unpack the power of who Jesus is and the transforming power of his name. And we're going to tap into three of those names. So look at it like this. What is true of Jesus and true for us in those names? What's true for Jesus is he's wonderful. What's true for us is he's our counselor. Our what, everybody? Counselor. Well, what's true of Jesus is he's mighty, but what's true of us, he's God. We have a God, and he's mighty. What's true of Jesus is he's the prince. What's true for us is he's the prince of peace, that we might have peace. Each week, we will unpack this transforming power of Jesus. Today, wonderful counselor. And I have two questions we're going to unpack. So if you have your teaching notes, you got kind of open notes there. You can write whatever God inspires. But I'm going to give you two questions. And I want you to write these down right now. Everyone across campuses online, write these down. And this is what we're going to think about. you got to answer these questions today. Who is your counselor? Who is your what, everybody? Counselor. That's where we're going first. And then, second half of the teaching, are you following true wisdom? Are you what? Following true wisdom. So let's start with the first question. Who is your counselor? That's a pretty good question. Who's your counselor? Who do you look to for advice? And Jesus being born in a manger? Really, we're going to take advice from a kid. That's who we're going to get our advice and counsel from. See, we we do that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek in this culture, and, and, and sometimes, like, like Steve Harvey uh, put on social media, we'll, we'll have a little bit of fun. So, if, so if, you're, if you're single and you're in the dating world, here's some advice for you from kids. <laughs> Enjoy. I need to find a girlfriend. Well, it's easy. It's easy? You can yeah, put up a sign at your house that I... you're single. And what uh... does that even mean? Because I'm not really Your single means you have no one. Single means that you have nobody to date with. Never dated in a long time. We, we know. Mike is very single and alone. How do you need her to look? I don't care what color hair. I don't... A nice smile and mm-hmm. a nice laugh. Yeah, a nice laugh. Laugh like a tiger. Laugh like a tiger. And make sure down. she's not a witch. So make sure she's not a witch. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. So, um, for my online profile, I need to like kind of describe myself. Mason, how would you describe how I act? You're kind of funny and boring and everything. <laughs> I'll say somewhere in there. You're awesome. I'm gonna put I'm awesome. Should I be humble? Is that or is it no. get better to be confident? No. Better to be confident. No, okay. be, no, be a man. Be a man for your girl. So she wants to go out with you. Okay, so let's say I take her on a date. And it's going really well. And it's the end of the night. Is it okay to give her a kiss? No, 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 no. no. Well, not probably like where people are looking at you. Okay, but but it's usually okay to do it when you marry. Oh, so I don't kiss her until we get married? Yeah, that's even better. That's better. So just like a nice firm handshake? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. I can give her a hug. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think girls like that. (laughs) 
Well, there you go. If you're single, you just got great advice from kids. Thanks, kids. That's awesome. Now, if that's not enough, we got some more advice from kids for all of us. Never trust a dog to watch your food. Here you go. This is really going to be helpful to you. Never tell your mom her diet's not working. Just things you might want to pay attention to. Don't pull dad's finger when he tells you to. When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. Don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. How did they learn this? And when you get a bad grade in school, students, when you get a bad grade in school, show it to your mom when she's on the phone, which basically means she'll never pay attention. All right, so we're asking the question, who is your counselor, right? Who do you go to for advice? Whose advice do you listen to? Whose advice are you listening to for life, for your moral values, your sexual values, your financial values? Whose advice do you look to for marriage, for family, for parenting? For your career. Jesus is called the wonderful counselor. We're not getting advice from a kid. He's not, it's, yes, Christmas says he's born and placed in the manger. And, and if you know that story, it, that, that's not where it stops. It's where that part starts. It's he grows up. And you discover that he delivers wisdom in a world of deceit and lies. He delivers the truth, the life-giving truth. Oh. And then having walked that truth perfectly, he voluntarily dies on the cross to cover our sin debt, which was death. He rises from the dead. I mean, that ought to impress us. The Father raises him from the dead, and he's, he's restored to his, his, his Godhead, his place, and all his glory. And then he extends to us this invitation to be forgiven, restored to the living God. And in all of that, he gives us new life. He says, I'm a wonderful counselor. Now listen, the word wonderful in this is not just an adjective to counselor. Wonderful is his name. And it's not the way we would casually say wonderful. Like, like everybody right now across campus, look over to somebody else and say, I feel wonderful today. Just say it with enthusiasm. Like I feel, just tell them, I hope you do. I feel wonderful. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no, when he says wonderful in its original meaning in the use of Isaiah 9, 6, it means incomprehensible. Jot that down. It means incomprehensible. Jesus is wonderful. His greatness is incomprehensible. You would be in awe. In what, everyone? In awe of him. Psalm 145 has a translation that reads like this. All creation will stand in what of you, everyone? In awe. All creation will stand in awe of you. Now, this is just talking directly to our creator, the Father, 
the Son, Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Spirit, all creation will stand in awe of you. O eternal one, thanks will pour from the mouths of every one of your creatures. Your holy people will bless you. They will not be silent. They will talk of the grandeur of your kingdom and celebrate the wonder, the what? Wonder of your name. You have to practice. By the way, how do you practice being in awe of him, you know, in wonder. To be in the presence of the living God. Not just skip by Psalm 145, but sit in it. Do you practice wonder? If he's the wonderful counselor? Let's just spend the next couple of minutes. I know this is unusual in the middle of a teaching, but... But isn't the point of this to engage the living God? I mean, you don't need another religious weekend moment. You need to sit in the presence of the living God. So I'm going to talk to him like I would in my prayer room for a couple minutes. You can, you can talk to him and affirm your awe of him right where you're seated. If you're a follower of Christ, you, you, you know what this invitation is. You just You can bow your head if you want. You don't have to. If, if this is your spiritual unresolved, you're like, this feels a little awkward, that's all right. You can just have a moment of silence. You came here to experience something of the living God. So I'm no longer talking to you. I'm not teaching. I'm just going to kind of go in my own prayer room. Spend a few moments with God. Almost demonstrate how you practice the awe of God. So Lord, I'm in awe of you. The author of life, the giver of every good thing. Don't really understand how you could have left heaven and come to earth. To set aside your glory and be with us. How you rose from the dead and how all authority in heaven and earth is yours. So I tell you I love you, Lord grateful to you, in awe of you, in wonder of your kindness and your mercy and your grace. That night a few weeks ago up in North Georgia, just alone outside, a little bit of a walk with you, late, late, late at night looking up, talking to you, and how the clouds just eventually gently blew away, and it was the clearest, sharpest sky. Your presence fell, Lord. It's one of the kindest things you ever do. Just let me be with you. And the stars in the sky and the order of creation and the size of your power I would sing to you, I stand, I stand, I stand in awe of you, I stand, I stand in awe of you, holy God, to whom 
all praise is due. I stand in awe of you, my conquering king, my savior, my Lord. And so among us, oh God, would you teach us how to practice awe? Some of us are very aware that we say we follow you, but there's a dryness and a distance and a deadness, and your counsel is not wonderful to us. Others of us are wondering, are you all that you say you are? But I would declare, you're all and more. So I stand in awe of you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, when you know the, the wonder of God, it sets his counsel as wonderful in your soul. Stay with me. And if you wane from his wonder, have you ever noticed that wonder can wane? Like you can have wonder, but it can, you can drift. And if God has become less, listen, if God has become less to you, it's not because he's less. It's because you're not attending to him. It's because you've become familiar. You've become too what? Familiar. I mean, this can happen anywhere in life. I can illustrate it with parenting. Let me just do this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but just you, you'll get it. We have four kids. Most of you know we have four kids. And here's how it worked. First kid, when we'd go to a restaurant, rare as it was at the time, we would boil four pacifiers. I mean, they had to be disinfected. And when we'd go to the restaurant, and he'd spit it out, and it hit the ground. It hit the floor of the restaurant, pick it up, slip it into the diaper bag, and pull out a brand new, perfect, disinfected pacifier. Plug it in. <laughs> because we got to protect him from the germs in his immune system. Second child... She'd spit it out, we'd pick it up, I'd swirl it in my water and put it in. Good enough. Third kid, spit it out, pick it up, wipe it a couple times on my pants, plug it in. Last kid, pick it up, plug it in. He's got to build an immune system with germs, so he's got to grow. You know what I'm saying? I mean, after a while, you just, like, what is so amazing at the beginning and so precious, like, after a while, okay, I got it. Listen, if your children are less wonderful to you in terms of their creation gift from God it's not because they're less it's because you're too familiar when God becomes less to us we're just not attending to him one of the reasons we gather together in worship is to attend to him you have to fuel the truth to be in awe and why is that important keep listening keep listening Because when your wonder of God wanes, you get casual with his counsel. All of a sudden, the incomprehensible counsel of the living God becomes a casual option. You don't abandon to it, you just borrow a little bit from it. Proverbs chapter 1 is talking about this. 
talking about the wisdom of God. Now, I want to read a segment of it, but I want to set it up first. So let me, let me set it up, okay? I, I, get, I get calls on my, my iPhone, and, and when I get, because some of the calls say spam alert. Anybody get these? It says spam alert, or it says telemarketing, or, or it's unknown. Anybody get these kinds of calls? And what do you do? You know what I always do? Decline, right? Don't you decline? I decline. I don't want that call. I don't care. Sometimes they'll leave a message on my voicemail, and if they do, it's like, you know, investment advice. Delete. I, I don't take the call, and, and I delete the voicemail. However, when John Maxwell calls, when it says John Maxwell, they, now he's been a mentor for a couple decades and become a dear friend. When he calls on those rare occasions that he initiates the call, pretty much whatever I'm doing, I stop. And I take the call because I hold him in high esteem. Now, in Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon is talking about wisdom who's calling out to us. And the beginning of wisdom is, is, is the fear of the Lord, a reverence, an awe of the Lord, that he's incomprehensible in his counsel, and you would long for his wisdom, and he would be your counselor. That's where Proverbs 1 begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom calls. What does it do, church? It calls. I mean, you look at your phone and says, oh, wisdom, God's calling. But you decline the call. I threw that in. That's actually not in Proverbs 1, just so you know. I, I threw that line in. How long will you, who are simple, love your simple ways? Repent, he says, which means turn. I will make known to you my teachings. This is wisdom talking to you. I'll make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, since you disregard my advice, you delete the voicemail. That's not in Proverbs 1. I'm, I put that in, those of you who are wondering. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then you will call to me wisdom, but I will not answer since you would not accept my advice. You don't take my call. You don't take it in. For the waywardness, in other words, you're on a path of the world's wisdom, godless wisdom. The waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency, the what? Complacency, the who cares, of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. God is extending wisdom to us. So who is your counselor? And I hope your answer is Jesus <laughs> If not, make him your counselor. And by the way, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you're listening today here in the room across the campuses online, you've never said yes to Jesus, then by the time we're done with the teaching today, we'll make that invitation. This will be the day that you, you are born again into the kingdom of God and, and you're forgiven and restored. It's a beautiful thing. Best decision of your life, most transforming in all of life and eternity. So who's your counselor? It's a great question. Make it Jesus. Now, the second question is right on the heels of it. So let's get to the second question. Are you following true wisdom? Are you what, everybody? Following true wisdom. See, if you say Jesus is my counselor, listen. Now, for a moment, this is kind of directed to followers of Christ. If, if, you, if you say you follow Jesus, but you don't follow his counsel, are you really following? That's a fair question. So maybe you want to write this. In your notes. I'll put it up here. 
Jot this little thought down. It's better to blank than to blank. Write it down that way in your notes. It's better to blank than to blank. Just write it down that way. Put a blank there. In other words, it's better to or it's more blessed to. It's better to. It's more blessed to. There are things in life that are better than other things. They're wiser. They're, 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 they're more blessed. If you go after this instead of that, your life will be blessed. That's what Proverbs 1 talking about. That if you'll follow the wisdom of God, you win through the storms, you win through the crashes, you win through the tests of life. But if you don't, well, then you get destroyed. So you can't just hear the wisdom, you got to follow it. So in a world of advice, who are you listening to? Whose advice do you listen to for your marriage, for your family, for your finances, for, for, your, for your moral values, your sexual values, for, for, for your financial? I like Who do you listen to that forms your thinking in life? And in the midst of a world of godless counsel, Jesus descends. God in human flesh comes and lives among us. And he interrupts the godless wisdom of the world. He says this wisdom is godless. And he starts teaching things like this is better than that. This right here will give you a blessed life. This will not. Let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 is, is saying goodbye to a group of people in Ephesus whom he loves and has led. And in, in a fatherly moment of spiritual leadership, he gives them closing advice because it's the last time he's going to see them. He knows he's going to go to Jerusalem and probably be martyred for the name of Jesus for the sake of the kingdom. He's given his life to follow Christ. And he doesn't just casually follow. He follows with abandon. He follows all the teachings of Christ. As soon as Jesus gives counsel, he says, oh, that's wonderful. I'm going to bow to that. I'm going to abandon that. I'm going to follow that. And in chapter 20, in his closing words, we find this verse, these words in verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Pause right there. He's saying, listen. Listen, we're, we're going to help the people who are in distress and weak positions in life. We're going to be the hand and the heart of God to the world around us. And, but he goes on, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than receive. See, you've got to fill in the blank right there. Jesus often filled in those blanks. It's better to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. By the way, interestingly enough, this was not this this thought, this teaching, this wisdom, this counsel, that it's more blessed to give than receive, is not in the Gospels. In fact, I believe this is the only time in Scripture where we have a quote of Christ that's outside the Gospels. And Jesus saying, you live in a world, and the world tells you, do you want more in life? Do you want to be happy in life? Do you want to have a great life? Do you want to be fulfilled? Do you want to be satisfied? You are longing for happiness. You're in the pursuit of happiness. How do you get it? And the world tells you, get more. What's the world say? Get more. And Jesus interrupts the whole world. He says, by the way, you want all that? You want a fulfilling life? You want to become who you were created to become? You want the fullness of your design? You want to be truly happy? Give more. Whose advice do you follow? No, no, no. no. Not should you follow. Whose advice do you follow? You really believe? It's better to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. Really? You see how this rubs against what's in us? That we might not really care to follow. I was 38 at the time. I had a motorcycle, which, thank you, Jesus. Beautiful, wonderful experience, hobby. I'll go up and down the Blue Ridge Parkway once a year, travel around. I just love to be on a bike. I just, it's freedom. 
And, and, and I, I'd settled a few things with the Lord. You know, I, 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 I'd settled things like tithe, honoring God with first fruits. So if you will, I'm just going to open up my left hand and put it in front of you and say, you know, I had an open hand to God. I mean, God, it just, it's yours. And, and I, I saw giving to God beginning with, the, with, with for me, with the tithe. I studied the Old Testament, New Testament, just honoring God with tithe. That, that, that had to be open to him. I didn't even consider the, the first 10% giving. I consider it returning. It's his. He, he's the giver, and, and I acknowledge his ownership in my life. And then I would give a little bit beyond that because that's where giving started. But, but, but we were in the middle of, a, of an effort, like, like a present-day vision 2021. But, you know, this was back in the day, and it was, it was the next thing God wanted to do among us. And, and God God said, well, what are you going to give? And I said, well, I have nothing to give because I, I'm out. I'm out. And he said, what about your other hand? And I looked at the other hand. I said, well, there's nothing there. He said, well, your, your motorcycle's in that hand. Well, but it's closed. <laughs> That's closed for business. He said, well, well, if you believe so deeply in this vision, you, you don't have anything more over here, but you, you could give the motorcycle. I said, no, I couldn't. Oh, it's better to give than receive. That's why I do this hand. You know, it never occurred to me that I had a closed hand before the Lord. Just stay with me. It never occurred to me. He said, look, look it, two open hands to me is the most blessed life. Now, stay with me. I didn't have to do this. I didn't have to give this. I think I had to honor him with first fruits, the tithe over here. But I didn't have to give this. He just was inviting me. Do you really believe it's better to give than receive? And I said, apparently not. <laughs> and, and, and so I signed on. And I opened up that hand that was close to him. And I made a commitment intent to give card. And then sold it in spring. And gave it all to him uh, through the church. You don't really give to the church. Give through the church. And. Stay with me. I want you to hear something. God wasn't working just on finances. He's working on my soul. See, what I didn't know is that I had an open hand and a closed hand to the Lord. And this was off the table. But he wasn't really trying to get a motorcycle from me. He was working on a take more than you give disposition in my soul that was at war with itself because I'm double-minded. You see, I take that disposition into my marriage, and I only see my left hand where I give, 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 but I don't see my right hand where I take and hold tight. And when you come into a marriage, if you don't understand that you have a tendency to take more than you give, but you're self-deceived, so you think you're always giving the most, that marriage is in a whirlwind of will versus will confrontations. God wasn't working on my finances. He was working on my marriage. He was breaking something by opening a hand that would transform the way I do marriage. He wasn't just working on my finances. He was working on my family. See, you live in a family where you take more than you give, and that will squeeze the life out of that family. He was working on my career. A whole bunch of us don't know why our career isn't working. I can tell you, most people, you go into your career to take more than you give. You think first about yourself, and you only look at the open hand, but you're not paying attention to the closed hand that a whole bunch of people experience. If you don't learn how to take the wisdom of God to become a person with two open hands who gives more than they take, you will lose like Proverbs chapter 1. God wasn't just working on money. He wasn't trying to take a motorcycle. He was waking up a soul that couldn't see that he takes more than he gives. See, do you really believe in the wisdom of God to transform you from the inside out? Now, it is the nature of God to give. It's the nature of God to what? 
That's just his nature. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Wow, Merry Christmas. By the way, at my 38th year, we had that discussion. By the time the summer of 39, I turned it over to him and I didn't get to go on my motorcycle trip that summer. I gotta tell you, I got sad. I said, it doesn't feel more blessed. I just gotta tell you, it doesn't feel it yet. When I turned 40, a whole bunch of people, just the kindness of God, a whole bunch of people thought it was better to give than receive, and they gave me a brand new motorcycle for my 40th birthday. Praise be to Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what I've noticed? God can keep giving, and over time, that same hand that was once open can close. Come on. Come on. Yeah? Nobody's beyond that. God's working on things in your life. Do you really follow true wisdom or do you just talk about it? See, that's, that's the power of the invitation of Christ. Now, I know that God has called our church to practice that is more blessed to give than receive. Don't kid yourself. We're not doing knockout hunger because we had nothing to do. We're doing knockout hunger because as Paul wrote in Acts chapter 20, it is in the heart of God to care for people who are in positions of disadvantage or weakness, and you come along and you help. You're the hand and the heart of God to the world around you. Can I get an amen? That's who we are. It's what we do. And so how does God love a community and transform a community? Through us, we participate. And we can't do everything, but we can do something. And the thing he's put on us in this season is knockout hunger, and we're going after it as a church. By the way, Marsha and I, we, and, and Jaden, we were, we, we were at Walmart in the aisle collecting you know, food, and we're bringing boxes this week. We're probably going to do it the next couple of weeks just because it helps us to do a little bit along the way and, and pick up more boxes and do it. You do whatever you want. I'm not, but, but we ran into two 12-stoners in the same aisle looking for the same thing, and they were running out of it. Then you had to decide, am I going to be gracious? Oh, you take it. I got here first. It's a beautiful thing. You know 44,000 kids across this territory don't know where their next meal is coming from. And we're, we're going to start solving it. But will you watch over the next couple, two, three years? It's profound what God has stirred in us and what's going to happen. So you, you keep, you, and by the way, say, I don't know how many boxes to bring. Can I tell you how you do it? You got to sacrifice, which means this. I, I mean, I can't tell you what to do, but I don't know how many boxes. One might be sacrifice. But here's it. You bring all that you can and then one more. Because <laughs> sacrifice is always beyond what you can. Always. But it's more than that. God's stirring more than that. So I want you to hear me. Listen, church. Are you listening? Here's the next. Part of this knockout hunger thing includes this move that we're about to make. And you're going to hear more of them in the next couple of weeks. But here's this one. Thousands of kids are trying to get on free and reduced lunch because their family circumstances necessitate it but they haven't been approved. And so the school year starts and they're not on free and reduced lunch. So they start accumulating debt. Right now across Gwinnett, Barrow and Hall, there is $62,000 of student debt of kids who are hoping to get on free and reduced lunch. And those kids and those families are responsible for that debt. We've researched that. I just want you to know that through the Vision 2021 offerings over this month, 12 Stone is going to pay off that $62,000 and remove that debt and just say Merry Christmas 
to those families. And that's, that's us in unity as a church working together to be the hand and the heart of God to the world around us. Amen? It's what we get to do. It's what we love to do. And by the way, if you're not in that circle and you don't understand the weight of this, then I want you to listen to a principal in our community who is in the midst of the academics and the economics of this. So listen in. I love working with the kids. That's why I went into education. Typically, we run around 45% of our students on free and reduced lunch. You get a main entree, a fruit, and a vegetable, um, and that can be up to two fruits and vegetables, and that's considered a meal. Very often, at the beginning of the year, um, somebody that's on free and reduced lunch might not have reapplied yet, and so they may have some charges on their account. If you have a charge, you can charge up to two times a meal before um, you're pr provided an alternate meal which is just really a main entree and a complimentary water. We know some students go home over the weekend and may not have a solid meal throughout the weekend. They're actually, you know, dependent somewhat on, on schools for to have at least two good meals a day. The efforts that y'all are making to pay off um, reduced lunch debt is, is important for families um, because then they're not getting a phone call from the school saying, you owe X amount of money. It's the end of the semester. I need you to try to find a way to pay that. I feel like the partnerships that we have with our local faith organizations are, are very important, and it takes a community to help raise children. Well, church, it feels like to me this is a Merry Christmas to the community. In another way, you should high-five your neighbor and say, yay, I love what we get to do. This is awesome. By the way, Canessa, the, the principal you just saw of College Hill High School, just a little detail. She, she was named this year as the principal of the year for secondary schools. Listen, that's out of 26,400, not across our county or Georgia, across the U.S., number one principal recognized. We are proud of her as a community. One more thing, and Knessa is a 12-stoner, and we're proud of her as a church, yeah? Good for you, way to go, Knessa. Way, way to have the heart of God and bring that into your work. In other words, it's better to give than receive. You got that? It's better to give than receive. And Jesus fills those thoughts in repeatedly. And if you will pray and ask God, give me all of the better than statements. Grow me up. You pray and ask God for wisdom. How do I live this out in my life? Listen, he'll answer that prayer. The power of the Holy Spirit is within you. Listen, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. But then who did he send? Look at John 14. And Jesus said, but then I will send the counselor. Literally, the Father will send the counselor. But the who? Counselor, the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Counselor. You didn't follow. I'll do it again. Who is the Holy Spirit? Jesus is a wonderful counselor. The Holy Spirit, when you receive Jesus, comes into your life, and he becomes your resident counselor. Come on now. I mean, you could just talk to him and pray anytime. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit with you. So at times, Jesus fills in the blank in his teaching. And he gives the, this is a more blessed, like, like the Sermon on the Mount. It's more blessed this than this. In that, he says, it's more blessed to forgive than to resent. Do you follow the teachings of Christ? It's more blessed to restore than be indifferent. 
Many of you know a year ago, God stirred some things in me when I was asking for more of God, and I think I can bring a kind of close to the saga of my restoration with my dad uh, of 40 years of estrangement. Many of you know that I've stepped into that because God said, you don't forgive and restore like I do. I forgave, but I was indifferent. The Lord said, we, you, I do better than that. I'm the God of forgive and restore, not just forgive. And so you know that uh, beginning of January, uh, Dad and I had conversations. God's restored some things. Uh, for the first time, he's come to, he came to our house at Thanksgiving. We had, he had his first chance to meet his grandchildren and hug them, his great-grandchildren, and experience them. Here is a picture uh, of four generations of my dad, myself, my kids, and my grandkids. And God has taken something that only God could do of 40 years of estrangement and restore it. Why? Because the wisdom of God transforms two open hands see there's two groups of people this teaching was designed for and I want to pray for both one of the groups is those of you who've never said yes to Christ who is saying like our heavenly father can restore he'll restore your relationship with him he wants to forgive and restore you you might be religious but you don't have a relationship that's, that's the group there's another group. Those of you who are followers of Christ, but you're not following his counsel. So bow your heads. Father, there are some right now who are your followers, but they're not following your counsel. You're wonderful, but your counsel is not wonderful. There is one open hand and one closed hand. There's somewhere in our life where we're taking more than we give, or we're not taking the statements and the truth. Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us, if not right now, would you do it in this day? Would you do it tomorrow on our workday, Monday? Would you do it through this week? Would you reveal to us? And then I want to pray for every one of you that you would have the courage to abandon to the counsel of God. That you may have the joy, the peace, the power of the wisdom of God living in your life. Oh God, do that for us right now. Reveal to us. Give us deep conviction, clarity, Anywhere where we're not following your counsel. And may we have the courage to say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a second group. And the second group are those of you who have never said yes to Jesus. Maybe he's been drawing you to himself for the last many years. Maybe months. Maybe weeks. Maybe today is the 20th time that you've been invited to say yes to Jesus. And it's finally time in your soul to surrender. Maybe it's the first time. He's ever made sense to you, and he's calling you to himself. And if you want to know what it looks like, it would be in a prayer something like this. Heavenly Father, I know you created me, and you love me. I desire to be restored to you. Please forgive my sin. Oh, through the sacrifice of Jesus, my Savior, I surrender to you as my Lord. Holy Spirit, dwell in my life and be my counselor. Walk with me and help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read that prayer together as a church across all the campuses and online. And for all of us as a church, we're going to encourage each other through this prayer. But for some of us, this is your moment. When you read this prayer, as we all read it aloud, this is you praying that prayer and you coming into the kingdom of God, you being forgiven and restored to him. So I'm going to have the campus pastors come out at all the campuses and we're going to read this prayer together aloud, knowing full well that 
that for all of us, this is a celebration of Merry Christmas, but for some of us, Christmas comes to our heart today. This is the day you say yes to Jesus. So everyone across the camp says, are you ready to offer this prayer to the Lord? And for some of you men, men who've never said yes to Jesus, women, ladies, moms, students, this is our moment. So join with me, everyone, in offering this prayer to God aloud. You ready? Heavenly Father, I know you created me and you love me. I desire to be restored to you. Please forgive my sin through the sacrifice of Jesus, my Savior. I surrender to you as my Lord. Holy Spirit, dwell in my life and be my counselor. Walk with me and help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Till the storm was rolled for